So today I'm joined by Stefan Menda, who is a research associate and PhD student at the Chair of Psychology of Learning and Instruction at the TU Dresden in Germany. He has successfully applied for a state scholarship for his dissertation program on the topic of individual preparation for collaborative learning, effects, mechanisms, and conditions. So far, his PhD project work has resulted in two influential articles that have been published in high-impact journals. Stefan Menda is not only running his PhD project, he is also a dedicated teacher. Within the teacher education program of the TU Dresden, he provides seminars on how to use psychological theories and findings in the service of promoting motivation in the classroom. His major research interests include how to stimulate collaborating learners to perform productive learning activities to promote the construction of flexibly applicable knowledge and investigating the role learners' prior knowledge plays in this process. Today, we'll be discussing Stefan's article, which he wrote with Antia Proska and Susanna Narcis, entitled Individual Preparation for Collaborative Learning, Systematic Review and Synthesis, which was published in 2021 in Issue 1 of Educational Psychologists. Stefan, thanks so much for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. So can we begin with you giving us just a brief overview of the problem you investigated in your article? Yes, of course. So in general, our work was motivated by the issue that although collaborative learning offers great potential in terms of in-depth knowledge acquisition, it often does not lead to better outcomes than individual learning. And individual preparation for collaborative learning is an often recommended support strategy in order to address this issue. However, so far there has been no systematic overview over empirical studies which directly examine the effectiveness of this method, nor a consistent theoretical explanation of when and why it should work. And therefore, we aimed at reviewing and synthesizing the existing research on the support strategy. And to this end, we first elaborated on the general cognitive costs and benefits of collaborative as compared to individual learning. And we did so in view of several cognitive subtasks, which could be considered to be central for the execution of a specific kind of learning activity, which is considered to be optimal for the joint acquisition of in-depth knowledge. It is so-called co-constructive or interactive activities. And on this basis, we then developed hypotheses about the consequences of combining individual with collaborative learning in terms of the effects of individual preparation for collaboration. And we also developed hypotheses about how such potential effects might be influenced by the individual preparation design. On this basis, we then reviewed the, the existing literature in order to investigate this hypothesis. And in doing so, we reviewed not only literature from the field of collaborative learning, but also from the fields of collaborative memory and group brainstorming. And based on our theoretical considerations and the results of this review process, we finally formulated a preliminary model of when and how an individual preparation might affect the learner's subsequent performance of interactive activities and collaboration. And briefly spoken, we emphasize that individual preparation does not only come with advantages, but also yields disadvantages, and that the ultimate effect of individual preparation will depend on how far these advantages and disadvantages come into play. And this seems to depend, depend among others, on demands associated with the collaborative learning phase, as well as the design of the individual preparation, namely the preparation task type and the provision of group awareness support. And Overall, we highlighted also that individual preparation for collaborative learning research still seems to be in its infancy, 
And so our model hypothesis yet have to be thoroughly tested. And there's still much work to do for future research. And we hope that our model will become more deepened and extended in the future. That was a, a wonderful summary of your article, and I really encourage our listeners to read it thoroughly. Let's try to go into a little more detail about the various pieces of your article so they can have a better sense of, of what you discussed. So I think many educators and researchers are really excited about collaborative learning. But as you wrote, uh, the research findings comparing collaborative learning to individual learning are mixed. I mean, sometimes it seems like individual learning leads to better outcomes, and sometimes collaborative learning leads to better outcomes. I mean, why do you think those research findings are so mixed? Yeah, in general, collaborative learning is so popular because it is often assumed that learners are better able to acquire a well-connected and flexibly applicable knowledge uh, when learning together rather than alone. And this is actually uh, based on the, the two heads are better than one argument. That is, in a collaborative learning situation, you have not only available the instructional material, but you have also available your co-learners' knowledge, ideas, and conclusions as additional learning resources. However, in order to take advantage of the opportunities that come with this, learners have to engage in a specific kind of learning activity, I already mentioned this kind of interactive activities. That is, in other words, learners have to build on the information contributed by their co-learners in order to generate new knowledge, for example, new conclusions or new connections. And if learners indeed engage in such activities, then they can actually exploit the potential advantages of a collaborative learning situation. And accordingly, many researchers agree that collaborative learning could be superior to individual learning if learners perform such activities. However, when learners are left unsupported and required to collaborate, they often do not perform such activities spontaneously. And instead, they, for example, tend to perform more superficial learning activities, such as simply restating or retelling what is already given. And they also often fail to take up or incorporate the information provided by other co-learners in a productive manner. And from our perspective, we adopt in the article, this is mainly because learners are struggling with performing the cognitive subtasks which are necessary for an interactive activity to occur. And so it makes sense to me that collaborative learning has great potential, but is also more complex and more difficult and maybe less natural for students. And so they really have to learn how to do it well. And you mentioned those cognitive tasks that people enact during learning. What are those? And, and can you tell us a little bit about those tasks and how they relate to success and collaboration? Yes, of course. In our article, we considered three subtasks to be crucial for an interactive activity to be performed or to occur. So first, learners have to be able to successfully activate their prior knowledge, or in other words, they have to retrieve information stored in long-term memory in order to relate it to the incoming information to be learned. Secondly, learners need to use this knowledge in order to generate uh, new pieces of knowledge in the form of new connections or conclusions, or in short, the learners need to conduct inferences. And as a third point, learners need also to be able to take up and to incorporate the information presented by other co-learners, a process we termed referencing in our work. 
And as already mentioned, a collaborative learning situation could be, at least from a basic information processing perspective, be seen as a situation where you are not only confronted with the instructional material, but also with the outputs of other co-learners. And these outputs can have advantages, but also disadvantages in view of the performance of the cognitive subtasks. And on one hand, the outputs of other learners can foster a learner's retrieval and inferencing processes, for example, let's say beneficial mechanisms or benefits. That means, for example, the outputs of other co-learners can stimulate a learner to retrieve additional knowledge from long-term memory, which the learner would otherwise have been not retrieved. Or they can provoke or assist me in drawing inferences I would otherwise have not developed when learning on my own. But on the other hand, these outputs can also harm a learner's retrieval and inferencing due to detrimental mechanisms or costs, for example, in the form of information overload. And they can also disturb my own strain of thought or disrupt my retrieval strategies. And in addition, in order to take usage of the potential benefits of collaboration already mentioned, learners have to engage in processes of referencing. But this is associated with even further demands in the form of investing efforts in communication and coordination, or so-called transaction costs, according to the collaborative cognitive load theory. And this puts even additional burdens on the learner's cognitive capacity. And altogether, research which compares individual to collaborative learning suggests that the cognitive costs of collaboration seem to often overweigh its benefits. So that that's really helpful. And I think that because collaborative learning can be so cognitively demanding, it makes sense that people are wanting to figure out some ways to help students prepare for collaborative learning to, on their own, individually do some work so that when they come to the collaboration, they're ready to maximize its effectiveness. And you reference the literature on preparation for collaborative learning, which I think is a really interesting area of scholarship. And so in doing that, you talk about the different kinds of tasks and different things that educators and researchers might ask students to do to individually prepare for collaborative learning. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you found in literature in terms of the different ways that students are asked to individually prepare for collaborative learning? Yes. So, First of all, basically, individual preparation for collaborative learning means having a phase implemented where learners process the instructional material first on their own before starting to work together. And so this is already associated with advantages and disadvantages. Maybe I would outline a bit these aspects, so then I could also step in the possible ways instructors could design such preparations, because this plays a big role here. So first of all, individual preparation per se might be helpful to due, due to what we have termed the information processing advantage of individual preparation for collaborative learning. So Learners can, by preparing first on their own, uh, familiarize themselves with the learning contents without the risk of disruptions and distractions of other learners or the need to process even additional information which come from other learners or the need to invest efforts in coordination processes. And in this way, they might be better able to activate their prior knowledge and to acquire better initial understanding and already to develop uh, some initial conclusions and ideas around the learning contents before being confronted with the demands of collaboration. And this might benefit their retrieval performance since they might be able to strengthen their personal memory organization in advance and a better activated and possibly also better applicable prior knowledge might facilitate subsequent inferencing processes. 
But on the other hand, compared to the situation where learners start to collaborate from the outset and learners prepare on their own first, during this time they have no opportunity to gather insights about what their co-learners know. So, for example, whether and how far they have additional information in addition to the instructional material. They can also get on no knowledge about how far there is a shared understanding among the group members, for example, with respect to a specific technical terms or to be learned principles and then can also get on our insights about what is the current state of understanding or the perspectives of the learners around the learning content. In other words, learners have, when they prepare independently from each other, in this time no opportunity to gather what is called cognitive group awareness or a transactive memory system in the literature. Mm-hmm. And altogether, this is termed the coordination disadvantage in our article. And mm-hmm. because this goes, this, this possibly lower cognitive group awareness might then compromise the learner's referencing performance when they step in the collaboration process. And probably because the transaction costs are then higher compared to a situation where they started to collaborate from the outset. And to refer to the ways instructors could design such an individual preparation, prior research has addressed, among others, the role of the preparation task, so that is how learners should process the instructional material before going to the collaboration process. And more specifically, especially generative tasks have been considered to be helpful in preparing learners for collaborative learning. Mm-hmm. Such a generative task would, for example, yeah, require the learners to connect the information from the instructional material with each other and with their prior knowledge. This could take, for example, the form of organizing a text into a concept map or having the learners generating examples of given to be learned concepts or principles. And from individual learning research, we know that such generative tasks are quite effective in fostering learners' memory and also deep understanding of instructional material. And therefore, it could be assumed, and this is also what we assumed in our article, that applying such a generative task during individual preparation might be better suited in order to enhance actually the information processing advantage as compared to, for example, a non-generative task which would require learners, for instance, to just repeat or retell what is given in the learning material. And another way or another support strategy would consist in having the learners of the future group inspect each other's individual preparation products before entering collaboration. That is, having them read each other's individually taken notes or watch each other's individually generated concept maps. And this is could be considered actually as a specific form of awareness induction support that is informing the members of the future group about each other's knowledge, comprehension, and perspectives. And since prior research shows that these kind of awareness induction supports seems to be quite effective in fostering learners' referencing performance, presumably due to lower transaction costs, it seems reasonable that awareness induction supports might be suited to compensate for the coordination disadvantage that comes with individual preparation. So I really appreciate all the hard work that you did to organize this literature because it was a lot of it I wasn't aware of. And so the way I understand it, collaborative learning can be really effective, but there are these cognitive subtasks that can make it challenging, including retrieval, inferencing, and referencing. I think educators are wondering, how can we help prepare students to be successful in collaborative learning? And you identified that individual preparation time before collaborative learning might, in theory, take away time from collaborative learning, right? So if we have an hour to do collaborative learning, but I ask students to individually prepare for 15 minutes, that's 15 minutes they're not 
spending and collaboration. So I think you and your co-authors asked a really great question, which is, is that time worth it? And how do we structure that time to make it worth it? And you identified that there are these information processing advantages, but also some potential coordination disadvantages and that the design of the individual preparation time in terms of how generative the tasks are and how much time students spend looking at other people's work might affect those advantages and disadvantages. And you have this really wonderful figure in your article where you kind of graphically summarize all of that to really give readers a good sense of the current literature and the topics that are important and how they all fit together. So I appreciate that. And I encourage our listeners to look at that figure. I think what people are really excited to hear about is, you know, what did you find uh, <laughs> when you looked at the literature regarding um, individual preparation for collaborative learning? What stood out to you? Yeah, first of all, we found that the effects and conditions of individual preparation for collaborative learning seem to be have quite scarcely studied so far. Overall, we find a quite limited amount of studies, which we yeah, could include in our review. Nevertheless, the results helped us to revisit some of our initial hypothesis and to formulate this, this kind of preliminary model about when and how uh, individual preparation might affect, foster uh, subsequent interactive activities or the subtasks associated with the interactive activities. And overall, what we find is that individual preparation per se seems not to automatically foster the performance of interactive activities because not all of the subtasks are fostered. And we also found indications that indeed an individual preparation seems to be associated at the same time with this kind of information processing advantage, but also with the coordination disadvantage. And that's the net effects depends on how far either the advantage and or the disadvantage come into effect and which of the two ultimately prevails. And more concretely, we found indications on one hand that this net effect increases to the degree to which the information processing advantage is actually used during the individual preparation phase. And here we found some indications that indeed generative preparation tasks seem to be better suited than non-generative tasks to this end. Although we currently have only evidence in view of the learner's retrieval performance. That's we did not found studies which allowed unswearing or examining the related hypothesis in view of the other two subtasks. Secondly, we found indications that the net effect might increase to the degree to which the information processing advantage is actually useful for the subsequent collaborative learning phase. That is, when the collaborative learning task not only requires more retrieval, but also inferencing processes, for example, in terms of making sense of complex information, not yet well known or understood. And finally, we also found some evidence that the net effect should also increase to the degree to which the coordination disadvantage is mitigated by um, providing learners with group awareness support. And in addition, the net effects might also be further affected by learner characteristics such as uh, their collaboration skills or their prior knowledge and also group characteristics such as the size of the learning groups and, and the divergency of knowledge among the group members. But yeah, so far it would be premature to, to make more specific conclusions about this latter aspect. I think that's really helpful. And I have to say I, I was particularly interested in the awareness induction support and 
the suggestion at least, and I think you, as you stated, we don't have all the evidence we might want, but there's at least some suggestion that that could be really productive for students to do prior to collaborative learning. That's just not something I had really thought about before, but it certainly seems intriguing. And as you wrote, and as you said here, there's not a lot of research out there on that. We certainly need more. What kinds of research should scholars be doing to continue exploring the effects of individual preparation for collaborative learning and how to improve it? Yeah, first of all, on general words, we need more studies which examine the effects of individual preparation and design variables by means of systematic experiments. And we especially need more studies which compare the effects of generative versus non-generative preparation tasks. Since, as already said, we could not obtain results here in view of all the cognitive subtasks we considered in our review. Mm-hmm. And as a further point, what would be optimal would be more experiments which actually manipulates three factors. The first one is the presence of an individual preparation. So is the first learning phase collaborative or individual, which is then always followed by a collaborative learning phase. Uh, the second factor would be the task type, for example, in terms of generative or non-generative. And the third factor would be provision of awareness induction support. And by means of such experimental designs, we would be able to disentangle the independence effects of each of those variables as well as their interplay. And moreover, future researchers could also include further factors in such experimental designs, such as manipulating the demands of the collaboration phase and also manipulating the exact design with regard to the parameters of, for example, the generative tasks or events induction support. More specifically, the question would be how complex should a generative preparation task be in order to be effective? Or when should this kind of awareness induction support be provided? Should it be provided right from the outset of the individual preparation so that the learners can, for example, watch each other's evolving individual preparation products or should it be given only after a learner has completed his or her own preparation task. Mm-hmm. As a further point, future studies should capture measures not only reflecting the subtasks of interactive activities, but they should also capture measures which of interactive activities as such, for example, by means of proper coding schemes where behavioral data are captured directly from the collaboration process, for example, from recorded learning dialogues or uh, recorded chat protocols. Mm-hmm. And in addition, we also need to systematically consider the role of learner characteristics for the effects of individual preparation. At least from our perspective, especially prior knowledge would be a crucial variable here to be considered since you look at research associated with the cognitive load theory and collaborative cognitive load theory, there's quite a huge amount of evidence uh, suggesting that prior knowledge might be an important moderator concerning the effects of collaborative learning at all, but also concerning the effects of support strategies aimed at helping learners here. And that reminds me, you have a a study that you published back in 2017 where you looked at prior knowledge as a key factor in how collaborative learning and guidance during individual preparation before collaborative learning might influence students' text comprehension performance, right? Can you tell us a little bit about what you found there? Yeah, of course. In the 2017 study, we did an experiment in which we compared a kind of low-guidance preparation, which simply asked the learners to prepare for the upcoming collaborative learning phase according to their own discretion and then to proceed when they were ready. 
with a high guidance preparation, which included uh, generative preparation tasks and awareness induction support. And more specifically, this high guidance preparation asked the learners to first self-explain a part of the to-be-learned text and then to exchange these self-explanations with each other and only then read the self-explanations so to induce uh, awareness. And then they entered the collaborative learning phase. And what we found here is that prior knowledge moderated the effects of the preparation guidance level on deep text comprehension in that the low prior knowledge learners benefited from the high guidance preparation and the high prior knowledge learners benefited from the low guidance preparation in terms of mm -hmm. the post-collaborative deep text comprehension. Mm -hmm. And by means of additional analysis, we were able to trace these effects back to patterns of learning activities which differed with respect to the learner's prior knowledge. That is, although our uh, high guidance preparation fostered the performance of interactive activities in comparison to the low guidance preparation for all learners, irrespective of prior knowledge, this kind of interactive activities in turn did only benefit low and average prior knowledge learners' deep comprehension, but not high prior knowledge learners' deep comprehension. Meanwhile, the high prior knowledge learners more spontaneously performed another kind of learning activity which involved drawing inferences and generating new conclusions but without referring to the contributions of other co-learners. So they did it on their own and they did so to a higher degree when they were in the low guidance condition. Hmm. And this kind of activities then also benefited their deep comprehension. And altogether, these results highlight the importance of considering the learner's prior knowledge when deciding on whether and how to apply an individual preparation to support collaborative learning. That's a, a really clear explanation. Thank you. And, and both that study and your paper that we're talking about here in Educational Psychologist are wonderful contributions to the literature. I, I'm curious what you're working on now that is really exciting to you. Yeah, um, I'm really excited about an article we are writing currently about an experiment in which we compare the effects of different preparation tasks on learners' subsequent collaborative learning process and outcomes. And these tasks differ in the extent to which they require the learners to actually perform generative preparation activities. More specifically, we compare a note-taking task, which are not specifically intended to require the learners to go beyond the text and draw new conclusions and connections. And we compare it to a more or less compare and contrast task, where learners have to find similarities and differences between uh, to-be-learned concepts. And the third condition applies a explanation task, where learners in addition need to also explain the reasons for the existence of the similarities and differences between the to-be-learned concepts. So a bit more concrete, it's about a, a learning text about the human circulatory systems. And so, for example, learners have to compare the different kinds of blood vessels with each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah, in this study, we consider all phases of, of the learning process. That is, we capture process data from the individual preparation phase um, in terms of the number of your inferences or generative activities the learners actually perform. We also capture process data from the collaborative learning phase in terms of learners' interactive activities. And we also assess learners' post-collaborative deep text comprehension. And with the study, we want to address the question of uh, whether a generative individual preparation indeed can foster learners' subsequent deep collaborative learning processes rather than, for example, more individual kinds of, of learning processes. 
And this would be the case if we could indeed show that generative preparation tasks foster interactive activities and if these activities in turn foster learners' deep comprehension. And we consider also in our study that both of these links or paths might be moderated by the learner's prior knowledge. And mm. by means of the study, we hope to deepen our understanding about how a generative preparation task works and whether it might be helpful or possibly even contraindicated in order to foster subsequent high-quality collaboration. So, for example, what could expect that if a low-prior knowledge learners perform lots of generative activities during preparation, this might lead them to further discuss and develop their initial conclusions and connections with their co-learners in terms of interactive activities. However, if prior knowledge is already high and are engaged in extensive generative preparation, this might even be ineffective or even detrimental or counterproductive for your subsequent performance of interactive activities. Possibly instead you might prefer or tend to perform more individualistic kinds of learning activities instead. And so we are currently in the data analysis process and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the insights we will finally come to. Sounds like a wonderful study and, and much needed. And I, I really appreciate your focus on both process and product data and your careful attention to individual differences and you know ways that prior knowledge might change the way that students interact and the efficacy of the various things that you ask them to do. It sounds like you're being very thorough. So I'm, I'll, I'll be excited to hear about what you found. So I think we're going to wrap it up here for today. Um, I, thank you, Stefan, very much for talking to me. I encourage all of our listeners to check out your 2021 article in Issue 1 of Educational Psychologists entitled Individual Preparation for Collaborative Learning, Systematic Review and Synthesis. And I want to mention that the article is open access, so anyone can read it. So, Stefan, thank you very much for talking to me today. Yeah, thank you so much.